here saying that he was, his imprisonment for the cause of Christ, he saw that as an opportunity for him to share Jesus with a group of people he would have otherwise had zero access to. Not just the Praetorian Guard, but all the, and everyone else. Well, those would be the very, very important people where he was in Rome. This excited him. It's a remarkable focus on the task that Christ had given him. And I, I dare say I don't know that I would remain quite as focused in the early days. This is not longer into it. This is early on. He's just, he's just he's stoked. So verse 14, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Here we see, rather than being discouraged, the folks that were following all of Paul's movements, it, this, his imprisonment had the exact opposite effect of what you might think would have happened with them. Because of his imprisonment, people who heard about what was happening to him got bolder, not less so. It's counterintuitive. Because give that an honest thought for a second. We hear an awful lot about justice and injustice these days, folks fighting and striving for this right or that. What we don't hear too often are folks who get a raw deal exuding excitement for the doors of opportunities that situation will open to them to proclaim Christ. It just runs completely counter to everything that was that in us. And yet, Paul see, saw this as a way for him to gain access to the otherwise inaccessible. Which returns us to our question for today. What are we really willing to risk for the gospel? How do you respond when people are put off or offended by your faith. You don't even have to say anything, actually. You know, Michael Smith turned me on to these really neat T-shirts. They're black and they've got in a gray text, Jesus loves you. It's pretty passive. But don't think for a second, I don't see the eye rolls. Right? You wear that into the Walmart or wherever it is that you're running off to, it's a passive expression of my faith, and yet it ain't widely embraced. But let's face it, we get, a, we get more or less a, a free pass here in Bainbridge because you're not going to really get hit on all that hard here in Bainbridge. But the question is, does it spur you on when people are offended, or do you draw back? It's an uncomfortable question. It's a challenge to us, and yet it sits there, right? What will we do if it gets uncomfortable or if it gets, dare say, imprisonment, whatever? What, what then? Do we, do, we, do we shrink back, or does that excite us and, and cause us to be bolder? 
But once you grasp the reality that what the, the thing that God expects from us after we make our profession of faith, there's the linchpin, right? We just sang a whole load of it a little bit ago, right? This is a, a word to those of us who have bowed our knee to the Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's to this group that I'm asking this question. Okay, because if you haven't made that profession of faith, as Brian so eloquently put, you've got a bigger business to deal with. This is for all of us that once we are saved, after our salvation, I submit to you that one of your primary, it's not the only thing, there's an and here, but the, it's one of our primary responsibilities is proclaiming Jesus Christ and the advancement of the gospel. Spreading the gospel is our duty. The first step of the Great Commission, I would submit, because how else can you make disciples if folks don't know what you're, what you're about? You have got to share the gospel. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. We must share the gospel any way we can. Maybe for you, speaking it might be too tough, but you can wear a Jesus Loves You shirt. You can do it. Paul may be in prison, but his focus remains the advancement of the gospel. And how did he do that? Well, by turning to God in prayer for guidance and on, on how that's to be accomplished in his life and, I dare say, in ours. In first, pardon me, 2 Thessalonians 3.5, Paul put it this way. May the Lord direct your hearts to God's love and Christ's endurance. Pray that the Lord will direct your heart to see his agenda, not your agenda. Just like worship, this isn't about what you're going to get. It's about him. Once we understand that, it changes everything. There's nothing wrong with bringing your... The scripture tells you to bring your petitions to the Lord, but it doesn't stop there. This verse lets, makes it clear to us that we're looking to understand his love, to be enabled to see people through the love of his eyes, not ours, because somebody really gets on your nerves or whatever, to, to love someone who might even be someone who put you in jail, an enemy. I know someone in this church that was, that was in prison, and it wasn't, it wasn't a, a, a reasonable situation by any means, and yet he persevered. He didn't let that detract him or derail him from his faith. Pray how? With Christ's endurance. No one who has ever lived has had more patience than Jesus Christ. No matter how many times his disciples let him down, he never gave up on them. And the same is true for me and you. We know we've let him down. I know it. You know it. Don't let that hinder you. That's all part of it. Prayerfully request that he direct your heart to see his love, willing to endure whatever hardship might come along with it. That's pretty radical. It's not that everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows. That's just not the case. I mean, it isn't very long from now after the imprisonment where Paul will be writing to Timothy and saying in 2 Timothy 3.12 that those that want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will what? 
suffer persecution. It's convicting. I've been in church nearly every week for over 40 years, and I admit to my shame that whenever I hear about folks being imprisoned or persecuted for their faith, I never really saw myself in that situation. And looking back, I shamefully admit that I don't ever really recall prioritizing sharing the gospel and proclaiming Jesus either. Is there a correlation? Perhaps. But now, I mean, that was the first couple of decades, sadly. But then I started to get really serious about reading my Bible and prayerfully asking God for a divine appointment every day, every single day, and then looking for it. And now, shockingly, I have opportunities every day. Do I, do, do I move forward with them perfectly? No. Sometimes I just wear a gray shirt like this, and I hope that that spurs on a conversation that I would not have otherwise had. Whatever tool is at your disposal, you ask God to have his love, his eyes, and the endurance of Christ to whatever the consequences might be for your doing that. Paul really brings all of that home in the, in the remaining verses that we're going to cover this morning. And in verse 15, it reads, To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and strife, but others out of goodwill. These do so out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, seeking to cause me anxiety in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Just that in every way, whether out of false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Why are we so susceptible to envy and judging motives? Paul is gloriously numb who gets credit for anything? Or what underlying motives might be lurking behind why people are sharing Christ? Some preach out of envy and strife, others out of goodwill. What does it matter? I think what he's actually saying here is what happens to me does not matter. Those are strong words, but so long as Christ is proclaimed and the gospel goes forth, that's what matters. What's our theme for this read through the book? No matter what, that's what matters. I haven't heard that often, have you? If we weren't so worried about who got the credit or what everyone else was doing and remained focused like Paul is here on what God has called us to do, how much faster would you think the gospel would spread? Whether out of false motives or true, Christ being proclaimed is what had Paul rejoicing. And there we have it. Regardless of motives, what mattered most to Paul 
was the gospel being proclaimed no matter what. The gospel, the good news, must be proclaimed. I haven't counted it, but I have probably said that word at least several dozen times. The gospel is one of those church words that you will never hear in public. We use it all the time in our church, but we don't, we really spend time to review that to be sure that we all agree on what it actually means. We're going to do that right now. It's an old English compound word. It's from God and spell, which in old English meant news. So God, good news, which is from the underlying Greek, which meant glad tidings. I'd say that that's good news. So, but what exactly is the gospel? The best recap that I'm aware of in Scripture can be found in 1 Corinthians verses 1 through 4. Let's review. Now, brethren, I want to clarify for you the gospel I proclaim to you. You received it and have taken your stand on it, and you are also what? Saved by it. If you hold to the message proclaimed to you, unless you believe for no purpose. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received. And here it is. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. We said that just earlier. He was buried and he was raised on the third day. What? According to the Scriptures. This is not some club that got together and decided we're going to have this really cool... No, this is Scripture that declares this. Now, that's fairly long. So we're going to wrap up this morning with the challenge, our head, heart, and hands challenge. Head, memorize the gospel in your own words. So long as the gospel that you memorize is actually the gospel found in Scripture, some kernel some thread inside what you can memorize and you're willing to engage like, go dogs, right? If you've got enough of it in here so that spontaneously when you're out in public, it's there. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to run through some long speech. It's right there, tip of the tongue. So, if you believe that Jesus paid the price you couldn't pay to be reconciled with the Father, and you can actually say just that, that's the gospel. That's what Jesus did. You're ready to share. Then what? Heart. Make sure you believe what you memorized. You're not just parroting something that someone like John or I have said or you heard and you think it sounds pretty good. No, you've got to believe it in your hearts because people can spot a phony a mile away. If you're just peddling some kind of thing and there's no passion in your eyes, believe me. One of the Heinz little ones would probably spot it. You've got to be genuine. You've got to believe it 100%. And finally... Hands, look for opportunities to share it every single day. Don't try to share the gospel like 
I might share it or somebody that you heard say it. That's not, that's not for you. Your role is to share. The Holy Spirit enables each one of us uniquely. Trust God knows what he's doing when he created you and he made you uniquely you. You don't have to say it like somebody else says it. You just have to be responsive to the love that God put in you for the individual who's standing right in front of you. And you have to be able to open your mouth and say something. And if you need a catalyst like I do sometimes, it's hard to imagine. I know I'll talk to a brick. But there's, there's, if you need something, then get a prop. <laughs> it's not out of bounds. Anything that you can do. I'm not suggesting that we all get locked up and go to prison. That's not really the point. The point is no matter what your circumstances, are you about proclaiming Christ him crucified, died, buried, and resurrected, and that's what we're trusting in for the sin in our life. That simple. Are you ready to share that? Are you ready to listen to somebody's heart when they're pouring out to you and not kind of formulating an answer right away, but actually praying inside, saying, all right, Lord, how do I proclaim you in this moment? Not what would an elder do, what, what do you want me to do because here's what I'm here to tell you the Holy Spirit is just as real as all the rest of this and he will give you those words in that moment you got to believe that or it'll never happen when when someone leans on you when someone barks out and says hey you got to back off dude and uh, you know or do you just stand your ground and go I'm sorry we just disagree because this is real. This is life and death. And yet, if we're all honest, we don't really give it that kind of gravity. Remember 2 Thessalonians 3.5. Ask the Lord to direct your heart to God's love and share that love with Christ's endurance and you will be just fine. So I'll ask it one last time this morning. What are you willing to risk for the gospel? Let's pray. Father, this is a challenging word. Um, Paul is quite inspirational in the things that he endured and are recounted for us several times in the New Testament where he endured incredible hardship for the, for the cause, of, for, for you, for the cause of the gospel. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us here this morning would prioritize the sharing of the gospel as something meaningfully intentional every day. For I ask it all in Jesus' name, amen.